Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having yeah, it's the Black Country Blokes tuning the fat. With me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, and even though Aaron Jew's not on camera, he's with us. So Aaron Jew will be the dove from above. And we're joined today by Dean Clark. Now, Dean Clark uh, has got a condition called bipolar. And that's a word that's thrown around so much in media and everything. But he's, he's had it for a while. So he's going to be kind of coming on and telling us about what it is to have this condition. And it's not an end-of-life condition like all these things are. A condition doesn't define who you are. It's just a part of what you are. So, Dean, thank you ever so much, bro, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for the invite on the show as well. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys and sharing some experiences. Now, Dean's appeared on Find Your Voice, Aaron's podcast. But me and Dean, complete strangers, I like to get to know our guests before they come on. And we were on the phone just chewing the fat for about an hour. Do you know what we brought? Sorry, mate. I said we were talking for about an hour the other day on the phone, just getting to know each other. Yeah, do you know what? I think when, when you talk about something so passionate about um, and also something what you've got a lot of experiences to share and you want to share with people and relate, the time just... It just disappears, but yeah, it was a good chat. It was, it was, it was a good chat. Took a lot away from it myself. Do you know what I mean? It only takes one phone call, one conversation. So before we go into everything, could you tell us firstly a bit about bipolar? Yeah, I mean, um, bipolar itself is is comes in a, a few different forms. Um, it originally used to be called manic depression. Uh, it still, it still has that label. I like to call it a label because most labels become association to stuff. So when you talk about bipolar, everyone assumes manic depressant, high or low. Um, although a lot of experiences with bipolar with people that are diagnosed with bipolar um, can be the same, relatable, they're very different. So you can go in waves of, of emotions where you're, you're low or depressed. Like I've had a couple of really depressed episodes. Um, and then from that sort of place, you can kind of float in the middle um, and then you can go manic, hypermanic, like hypermania and, and psychotic. And I've gone all the way. Um, very fortunate of myself, I've gone psychotic uh, only once. But it's very hard to control things. So if you're low, you're depressed, um, you know, ev- everything around you is like a fog, it's a haze, it's hard to function, it's loss of motivation, a complete numbness of emotions. Right. One of the hardest things for me is if 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 I'm if I care for somebody as close as they are, a girlfriend or a partner or a friend, like there's nothing for them at that period of time, zero. Like if it's just all emotions are cut cut completely off. Um, and another number of things that happens with with that as well. Um, I tend to 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 quit things, stop things, um, restart things. And then the other end of the scale is I'll just pop a video actually about it now is and like the manic and hypermania is is it's like you're injected with so much energy plus a hundred um and it becomes borderline addictive, but it's a bit like a drug that you want, but then you want it to stop. Um like and that's how I explain it, like you want the manics to come because especially when you feel low. It goes, it goes so far. Like, I, I, for me, I'm like massively creative when I'm, when I'm, when I'm manic. 
Um, I'm also very, I, I talk far too much. I talk over people. It's my way or the highway. I can become what people would assume be quite rude, um, very outspoken. I will buy lots of things. I've become very obsessed with stuff. Um, and that's the way I always explain bipolar with experiences because unless you've got bipolar, it's, it's still it's still that label of manic depressant. And, and it's not, it's not just high or low, there's waves in between this. Like, I mean, I was just speaking to you before, like yesterday, like yesterday, a complete different person to what I am now, like you know, sat in someone's arms in tears um, with just such an overwhelming feeling of what was going on. Woke up this morning and yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> well, I feel fine. I think that what you've said, like when we talk on the phone, when people put labels on it, go, oh, well, he, he's, he's bipolar because he's really daring or he's really happy. No, that's, that's an emotion. We should feel right. down. We should feel overwhelmed with happiness. But like when you've got OCD, oh, he's got OCD because he's all suddenly bloody house. And you don't know. Yeah. The extreme forms of what bipolar is or what OCD is, that's the other scale, isn't it? It's not like I feel down because we cat shit on the carpet or <laughs> I'm happy because I've just snubbed a girl. You should feel mm. a bit pissed off or a bit happy because of that occasion. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's multiplied. Like, it's a great way of putting it. Sometimes I don't actually give the description of bipolar that much justice. I don't, I don't give it that much substance of what it is um, for a number of reasons because sometimes experiences are so different. But, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you feel things, like, very, very differently, very extreme. Like, relationships. Like, if I, if I was to meet a girlfriend when I was manic, I'd marry her there and then. Like, and that becomes quite hard for that person because I draw them in under, I suppose, false pretenses like they think i'm that way for them but it could be quite extreme and then at the other end i could be like that's it i've got no emotions don't want to be with you don't want to do these things like hard enough for me but i always call people with bipolar and mental illness that's that's what i call the others so my experience with bipolar is very different to the people that live with someone that has it and a lot of people don't mention them that must be tough in itself isn't it once again um, I meet Dean and Dean's so passionate and so life going and every day is an adventure the next day Dean doesn't want to go off the settee it must be so hard and do you I mean when, you, when you're in a relationship when you first meet someone man or woman whatever you go for you don't want to show your cards too early because you want to be our best self when do you approach that in a relationship? Um, again I think it depends what like it's I, I mean i use the words how i see it like when when you're manic and it's, i know this happens for a lot of guys and the thing is is there's not many men that want to talk about bipolar or even know that they've got it um and i believe that a lot more women do but for me it's 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 how i first come across like i suppose i can come across as not a predator but i seek that relationship so that's the mood i'm in and then what I do is I, I'll, I'll get loads of dating apps and I'll, I'll, I'll download all these things. So how I approach it to them is is normally when I'm like that, I don't really, I'm not open about it very much and I don't really approach it. But it works on the opposite side, like because of something that happened in my past where I, I, you know, I it resulted in, in, in a suicide attempt, my partner at the time couldn't deal with it and she left me. So it depends what mood I'm in, mate. Like really, sometimes I can approach it and go, Bang, I've got bipolar. I mean, I can't hide it now. It's all over my social media. But yeah, I'm better now. I can, I can use, 
you know, I'm quite proud of it when I feel good. But no, I am. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I can speak about it. So yeah, it depends, mate. It's a, and that's a long-winded answer to your question, but whatever mood I'm in will be how I approach it. Well, I think it's brilliant what you said, like you're ashamed of it now. You've plastered it everywhere. And I think what, this is what we've got to do. Like I lost my vision at three and for years, it was a taboo subject. My nearest and dearest knew about it, but other people just thought I hadn't got my contacts in. But I think as soon as you can own your form of disability or mental illness, then you can start to adapt and you can, you're no longer living in the shadows because you own it. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, I spoke, I spoke about like the resilience. Like I believe you can thrive with your mental illness. Like life's about development. Um, and I, it's a great way of being open about it and getting people to understand it. But like yourself, like, I mean, you just mentioned things like contact lenses and stuff like that. Like people won't want to bring that up with you for whatever reason. Cause they feel like they might offend you and stuff like that. Um, but actually, ultimately, by you having that, is you're thriving with, with the condition or the illness. Like, that's what you're doing. Um, it doesn't mean you're always going to thrive. Like, you'll have bad days, like me. But I just believe now that, that, that I, I don't see a diagnosis as a cure. It's not an answer. It's just another step um, to, to understanding yourself. And like I said, I, I just believe that I'm thriving with my mental illness now. Um, it doesn't mean that it's gone and it's and it's and it's there, but it just means that I have a better way of understanding and dealing with it. Well, Lee, because you know, Lee's got a severely disabled daughter, and we've said like before, when people just walk past and say, "Don't stay in the wheelchair," because I'd rather them ask the question and say, right. "Look at that little girl having a beautiful wheelchair," than it to be a, a taboo subject. Isn't that right, Lee? Yeah, that's a, that's that's exactly right. Um, and you, I think the only way you can stop that stigma as well is by talking about it. And I have no problem at all with anyone coming up to us and and asking um, what our condition is and and what our life's like. You know, it's it's no problem at all. Um, I don't know whether that would be different because uh, it's, they're obviously talking to us and not my daughter. She's not able to communicate. So, do you feel are you quite open if someone would would come up to you and talk about it if they knew? Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, again, it's like because because the emotions are quite extreme. Like, I mean, if I'm feeling low or something, I'll avoid every conversation possible, even about like everyday life. But yeah, I, I want people to ask me about it. Um, I'm getting better, but I want people to ask. So I, want, I really want people to understand about mental illness and and I want to be able to help them understand it. But then on the, I also want them to understand what bipolar is because as I said at the beginning, I just believe that it's still labeled. Like I look at it disability as well. Like a lot of people don't look into the type of disabilities. They just see disability. Um, I talk from experience because my mum has a disability. No one will actually ask what's wrong. So yeah, I'm, I will try and draw that person in. I talk about it. And then also I say, look, you know, I'm a man and I'm a guy and I have a mental illness. And, that, and that's it. It's, it's, it's it. But you've also got to read the room, haven't you? If I see yeah. you with your hood up, head down, stalking around, I'm thinking, now's not the time to ask him. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a bit of common sense with this, like, like me. If, if you see me and I'm, I'm having a full-blown argument, I'm going to cry my heart out. Now's not the proper time to address no. Kev the questions. No, no, you're right. Um, but again, I think that's, you know, other people, 
people want I, I had a conversation with one of my clients literally before this and it's like people want to ask because we're inquisitive like you can't help but like there's a car accident i mean like on the motorway you cannot help but look and stare at it and it's, it's within us to be so inquisitive so i think like it is reading it and that that's one of the hardest parts as well because like a lot of mental illness is hidden and i perfected the smile for years i crafted this smile so on the flip side you also got to think well i've got to look for other signs um you know you see those pictures of celebrities like this is what depression looks like it's not what depression looks like it's what someone with depression could look like and there's a lot of other signs and i think if we're educated more in mental illness instead of the typical tick boxes and the cliches of it i just believe we can look for a little bit more um it's always the same like like we want men to talk right it's the reason why we're here now and we, we want everybody to talk about mental illness but there's going to be some people that don't want to talk and they can't talk so how do we bridge that gap right so there needs to be a more subst uh, like a um uh, an education process that, that offers sustainability and i'm able to talk and you guys are able to talk and people like us need to be shared more and if we've got a voice i always say to people like you've got mental you've got mental illness we've all got mental health we're all at a risk of mental illness but if you can't talk about it yet that's actually fine like understandable i don't like using the word okay because okay okay means satisfactory do you know what i mean like but it's chucked around a lot um and i just say surround yourself with people that can like surround yourself with people that can it's a lot easier to surround yourself with people that can talk about their mental illness than it is to talk about it yourself and if you've got those voices like these podcasts and people your peers and they're talking eventually i know me now is 37 i can now talk to you if that's me 27 to honest i wasn't ready but no. if there's more people I, I've always had a brilliant dad who can just talk about this and be very open. But it's, that gives you the strength when you notice other people, big, tough, strong men, or the local plumber, or the window cleaner, or the, the jelly stacker at Woolworths, has also got problems. And I think once you realise that you're not alone with whatever demons you've got, it does make it easier to talk about. So I think that's what holds so many of us back. You don't want to be the first one to say, you know what, Dean? I'm frightened. Or you know what, Lee? I get depressed. Or you know what, Aaron? Sometimes I'm too frightened to leave the bloody house. Nah, you'd you'd rather like bottle it up. You'd you'd rather go through like it's a lot harder to not talk than it is to talk. But it takes that part where you have to talk. If that makes sense, like. It's draining. And to be fair, not talking nearly cost my life. But it's it's now easier for me. I find what I'm doing now a lot easier. It's a lot better on my mental health. And you know, I'd love everyone to just use their voice, like hundred percent. Um, but it's not it's not necessarily the case. And I know we've got to get people to talk about. But one thing I say to everyone is that it's a lot easier when you keep talking because that right there on the on the far side is is graft draining, and it's just one of the hardest things I've done in my life. How did you get diagnosed, Dean? Um, 
I mean, I was uh, being ex-army. I went in and out of depression. I was always labelled with PTSD. I keep saying labelled, but I was diagnosed with with PTSD. It's always, it's always a quick thing. Ex-army struggling with depression. You got PTSD. Um, they won't really look into it much deeper, unfortunately. Um, and then 2017, I uh, it was an attempt on. I took an attempt on taking my life for the the, the first the first time. Uh, there's been other times where I've contemplated it which quite a lot of people do by the way um and yeah it was when i come out of hospital i was sectioned twice i attempted to take my life again um and then it was within a couple of months of that like everyone thought i had depression and i didn't really know what depression was and then one day in february coming into march i literally woke up got dressed got showered had a shave and was like, yeah, let's go back to work straight, pretty much that quickly. And everybody was like, whoa. So yeah, the, the, the doctors had seen it and the, the, I was still in the crisis team and they were like, hang on a second, like what's going on here? And then we started looking back at my records and being like, there's a pattern here. And it's kind of like, why didn't you see that before? For whatever reason. And that was the diagnosis of bipolar. Um, how I was diagnosed was a bit shocking from the doctor and someone else probably have it. I was given a leaflet, uh, said I had bipolar and given some forms about medications and that was it. <laughs> if shocking. you think, when you've, when you've had a bombshell like that, you'd think yeah. you'd have someone holding your hand at that stage saying, look, it's not what you've seen on the TV. It is manageable. We can get through it with the right help. But just to have a, a leaflet like you bloody, I don't know, the newspapers coming through the door. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know what? That was like, I, I laugh at it now. Like, there's a lot about my bipolar I laugh, a lot about my life I laugh, and even the lows have got to laugh. But I, I probably, that's probably one of the funniest things that's happened. Like, when I look back at it, because it's kind of like, wow. Like, I had no idea what bipolar was. Like, it's a life changing illness, but you can live with it. it everyone's different. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, Mr. Clark, he's a, in fact, it was his words first. He was like, right, Dean, we'll sit you down. And I was kind of like, yes, I'm going to get an answer. Like, I'm finally going to get like the actual, I don't know, full diagnosis of PTSD. Had no idea. And all of a sudden it was like, you got bipolar, Mr. Clark. And I was like, right, right, okay. And then spoke for a couple of minutes, gave me three forms on, on three different medications. He didn't even have the form printed off with the bipolar on it. He actually went down to the to the reception. I waited outside, called back in, given it, and then I was booked my next appointment. All right. I walked out the door. <laughs> I remember phoning someone going, they're like, how's it go? I was like, oh, I've just been diagnosed with bipolar. Like that's how it happened. I, that's how it happened. There wasn't nothing else. Can they do something more? I don't know, but that's how it happened. It, it, Dean, do you think that's just because they don't really know about it themselves? Because something similar happened with my daughter when she got her, her diagnosis. It's a really rare form of epilepsy. And in truth, the doctor had never heard of it. So what <laughs> at that point, what advice, all but this medication may work, could they give you? You know, if, no. if, if you're not clued up on it, yeah, yeah. where do no, they go? You know what, you're right. And I think that's actually probably one of the big reasons, like, I mean, I've done quite a lot of research into mental health and actually mental health has only really come to treatment for mental health. I mean, it's come back to like 1800s where, you know, there was processes happening, um, but really only really come to light 
actually relatively quite soon. So I think that is actually one of the reasons. Um, I also believe that it's kind of like, it's a resources thing. Um, like the, the amount of the budget that gets given to the NHS every year that goes to mental health is pretty shocking. And I know it's got to go somewhere and I know we get free, free, um, free health service and stuff, but I mean, come on. So yeah, I think you're right. I do. It's, it's, it's something I definitely looked it at. Um, but why don't they know enough about it? That's my question. Like, but I was why? saying, me and my brother were talking the other day, and you're going to your GP, it's a general practitioner. So they know a little bit about most stuff. And you're lucky if you bump into that GP who specialised in mental health or specialised mm. in epilepsy. But a lot of time, they're a guy who knows somebody. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I look at doctors, right, like teachers, like is like the teacher the the pupils that excel in that class tends to be the teacher that's really passionate about what they're teaching. So if you've got a doctor that's having a hard time working long hours trying to keep to his schedule, not really passionate about his or her job anymore, how are they really going to be passionate about finding out a little bit about more than you and helping you as well? And that's what I believe because I've met. I've got some bad injuries through through all sorts of things. Fighting was one of them when I detached my bicep. And the doctor, he 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 actually done MMA and, and uh, BJJ and stuff like that. And he was like, right, he says, I shouldn't say this, but you're going to need to start loading your bicep a bit sooner than what the NHS says. And he was like, my advice to you is, is go and see a good osteopath or a good physio that will deals with sports injuries like that. And that's exactly what I did. I could have got someone that wasn't passionate about that or wasn't passionate about being there and gone, follow the physio, six-week protocol, take your little handouts, go home, practice them, and you might not recover properly. And a lot of them will say, oh, you're into boxing, oh, you're into mixed boxing. And they'll go, you've got to pack that in. And what <laughs> you want to say is, that's the only thing that's keeping me alive uh -huh. is that, that sport, yeah, I'm getting it in the face, but it is keeping me alive. Oh, yeah, being punched. No one likes being punched in the face, right? But being punched in the face was keeping me alive. <laughs> it was very like, you know, some people think you're a bit, like, I just got a sparring session. I was like, oh, oh that feels so good. <laughs> right, that, that feels so good. Preaching to well, the choir. The, <laughs> you know what I mean? The only game in the world where you walk up to someone 20 years later and goes, do you remember when you broke my nose? It was a great oh. <laughs> yeah yeah like i used to get that with rugby and stuff like that and um oh yeah i went sparring with one of the pros once i couldn't i couldn't be any more out of my depth but yeah i mean like i got i got battered not not like and I, I didn't get taught lessons and stuff like that i learned a lot but yeah i got busted i got busted up hard um and yeah you kind of after you're like oh yeah thanks for that mate i learned so much from being punched in the face <laughs> Got some right life skills there, cheers. <laughs> but people forget how much the gyms, be it whatever gym, gives back to the people who are in it, aren't they? Because a lot of time your coach is a father figure, a big brother, but he's also a counsellor. It's someone yeah. you can go to when you're in your darkest day and go, Kev, can I have a quick word outside? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we could tie that in with the subject of what's going on now with the gyms. Um, but... Do you know what? It's it's what it's 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 the biggest part of my life training, 
Um, I've been lucky to train so many people, been a part of so many people. Training's been my, my way of going to thing uh, in terms of when I'm struggling. And I also train people, like, as well as doing things like public talking. And I'm not a motivational speaker by any means because um, I don't agree with motivational speaking. Um, I'll inspire people, but, yeah, I won't motivate people. Um, but, yeah, like, I've been training people for a long time. And... I watch people change through things like training, like gym, like you said. And, and also, there's guys in your gym that trust you, right? And sport and training built trust. So how much of a good transferable skill is that? A, a young boy or a young girl, right, in, uh, I believe that they have more chance of opening up to you guys with their mental health than they would to any other people, maybe even their family, right? So it blows my mind. It blows my mind how, how we're not being able to use it right now. But also, it's just, it kind of gets pushed to the side. Like, you look at Olympics. Like, some of those athletes pay for themselves. Right? What? Like, do people not see how transferable the skills are? Everybody has the right to exercise. And you don't have to go to a gym to exercise. Like, there's something for you that you will enjoy. The reason being is because your body says that. Like, you can't help but not let endorphins take over your body. So there is something for you. So yeah, like, oh, it's, it's not, it's not looked after enough. Like the gyms, even without COVID, like your boxing gyms, it has, you have to like fund yourselves. Like you, gyms and, and organizations like chain gyms I'm not interested in chain gyms I don't care about you anytime fitness like they were built to produce an income they don't care about people some the trainers in there may well do and, and I'm not slating brands and stuff like that but I mean come on when you make a platform that you want to fill with trainers and people that don't go to the gym and you're not actually finding out why like they're making money and getting money, and then you've got your 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 guys like your boxing gyms and the, the gym that I was helping build down the road, and they get nothing. Like they get absolutely nothing. And what why why is that? Like we have to go and raise our own money to support our gym, and the little type of funding you got to do to get it is so long and extensive that you know you don't actually run through with it. And they're helping people. That that's one way of helping mental health, right? This. It, it's two mental health, physical health. We're one. We're not separate. Like, let's stop treating it separately in a lot of a lot of areas. And that's why, like we were saying off camera, like big strong bloke like you are, and all of us have been involved in boxing, and saying we're still human beings. If you cut us, we've still got skin, blood, and bone. Yeah. So if you're six foot four like you, that's how tall you are. I mean, a big, yeah. big bloke, handy. Or whether you're as small as my little Jasmine, we're built to the same stuff. So as big or as small as you are, we, we all struggle with the same demons. And that's why yeah. it's great getting us together and saying we are the same. We, we are people. So let's help each other get through it. No, no, 100%. It's, um, I, think like, I think a lot of our issues as well is, is conformity. Um, I think it's really messed up at the minute, however long it's taken. But what I mean by that is I think we're so... You know, we're so influenced by the wrong influences. And that then comes into conformity, right? There's, there's a number of different types of conformity. But, I mean, Instagram is, is a prime example. 
like of, of things like conformity like it only takes one thing to go off and happen and there's a large group of people following it um and like i said it's it comes down to like you know where where those influences are coming from and, and stuff like that and there's a few uh, slightly off subject but there's a few there's there's quite a few influences for mental health but i don't think you see enough of it um or, or it's the wrong kind of it's just a quick slogan and anything what i'm going through can't be dealt in a two set a two line sentence no no um i done i done actually i was a guest on a podcast the the other day and uh I'm all about changing the way we look at mental health, right? Um, because I believe the way we're going to change the way we look at mental health is by changing the way we look at it and actually giving it, giving like uh, ways of doing that instead of click, share, tag, hashtag and, and share things like, yeah, they're doing a job, right? But something's still not working. And are we actually getting to the root of why it's not working or are we trying to make it work w without getting to that point? And um yeah, one of the things that I spoke about is I, I don't like some of the phrases because I, I, I have the right to talk from experience. So Mental Health Week was all about being kind to yourself and there's loads of different ways to be kind to yourself. I get that. But I'm talking from men's, men's mental health. If someone told me to be kind to myself, first of all, I'd be like, fuck off. Second of all, how do I be kind to myself? I'm a man. And this isn't to separate genders at all, but my perception of being kind to myself, especially then, not what I know now, would be going out and treating myself and pampering myself. And I'm not separating genders. This is what I would believe. I have every right to say this, obviously. But then we spoke about earlier, like, okay. So it's okay to not be okay. I get that and it, it served its place. But when people can't actually explain what okay means and they're happy to share it, something's going wrong. Like I Googled the, the, for somebody the other day, like the actual, um, what it actually stands for and meant in the, doc, the Oxford Dictionary in the Cambridge. And it basically means, there's a number of things, it means satisfactory in a lot of cases. So... We've and I know it's other, well, it's, it means some other things, but shouldn't we be asking more than that? Like, shouldn't we be sharing more than that? Like, are you satisfactory? And I know there'll be people out there that will say, well, actually, it means this and this, but within that area and within that meaning, it says satisfactory. So I walk into your gym and let's just change the word for what it could or what it actually means is go, are you satisfactory today? How do you answer that? What is satisfactory in mental health? Like, what is actually okay, really? What's okay? Um, I, 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 what's okay to one person is completely different to another. And I think with the social medias is, I'm all, I'm all right, but I'm not as good as maybe you are. I'm not as good as how, what maybe I should be. It's of thinking, you know what? I, I, feel, I feel good, or I feel sad, yeah. or I feel shit, or I feel fabulous. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's like it's a lot harder for a guy to say those things. But I mean, I think I think one of our issues is that we don't actually understand emotions as guys. That's probably one of the issues. Like, they, 
I'd be like, what, what's this emotion here? And then obviously we look at a lot of emotions negatively and um, a lot of negative emotions can have positive outcomes, right? um, like jealousy, right? Um, everyone sees it as a bad thing. It does, like anything, a bit of like a yin and yang kind of thing. But jealousy can also make you up your game in a positive way. Now, if we're always looking at stuff again with association, we're not going to learn then as well. And like, is there much education going on about emotions? Like, is it being taught in schools about emotions? Really? Like, it wasn't when I was there. And why is that happening? Or maybe we don't want to play. Sorry. I think we said this the other day, Dean said, I believe teaching like my Jasmine's in year one. And I, I get her to draw faces on the board. And I say, look, what is this? It's a happy face, a sad face, an angry face. Teach them empathy. And that's easier to teach someone at primary school level. Why are you feeling sad? Because the emotions are raw to them. And explain empathy and explain how to read. Because teaching a first yard real old bloke, I've survived all this time without it. And now it's, I'm too broken to fix, or that's how you feel. But if yeah. we get them at primary school level saying, Kevin, why are you so angry? Dean, why are you pulling that girl's hair? Lee, why are you holding the cupboard? And get to get to know why they're feeling it. I think that is the key to beating them at dealing and getting the better, the higher ground on mental health. Yeah, now 100%. And, um, do you know what? That that kind of, it's a really good way of looking at it, actually. It's something that I'll probably I'll probably take and pass on. I think that's everything how we learn. We're storytellers. But um I mean, if we go back to conformity, conformity happens really at its earlier stages in school, to a degree. Like the only type of conformity we have is within our family. So what happens inside there is all you kind of know. So when it comes out to there, it's kind of well actually, can we teach really early on and actually make a really positive impact to people's mental health even earlier on. Like the school's curriculum is so intense and so tense. Teachers are at a higher risk of mental illness, right? What's, what's being done about that? Uh, what, they'll have a mental health awareness day and, or, or, or they might have an hour of it within their ridiculously strict uh, time limits that they've got on their uh, training days and the curriculums and stuff. So it's kind of like, is this where we change the way? Like what you said there, like what you walk out of a toilet, right? And you can press the standard of that toilet, yeah? And they'll take stats from it, right? Or you're going to do, I've done a corporate event once, corporate talk, and on the way out, it's like, how did that talk go? And this is conformity, right? You have a better chance of being more open if you are, uh, <laughs> what's the way? If you are in not a secret environment, um, if, if you, people, you don't think people know what you're doing, someone's going to someone's gonna have to change what I'm trying to say here. But, safe environment. Yeah, safe environment. But it's disclosed, private, anonymous. Yeah, yeah, confidential. <laughs> wow. Confidential. There we go. I've got two words. Um, but why can't these things start being adapted in schools and stuff like that? Like, I mean, it might be happening in some places. It might be test and trial. But I, I, I'm putting together a thing for next year that I'm taking to businesses and, and fingers crossed I can get into schools and, and offer, my, my whole goal is to offer people sustainability. Um, I feel like you're going to talk about mental health and then you leave and there's no process after. Like, kind of like an exposed wire. You sit there and go, well, actually, how do I keep practicing this? And um, one of the things is, is getting everybody to, to, to draw on a card, like make it a ballot box, right? And it will work. I've done some stereotyping things. It's like, Right, first thing you do, you come in here. Like, 
just go and put what you want down there. And it's got to be honesty. And, and I know this will work. And then nobody knows what everyone's put, right? But you hold these up. And I know some people will be honest and some people won't. But I've done this for a trial period. And it actually made me feel a little bit uneasy in terms of nobody in that room knew what was going on. And there was a couple of faces in there that said, like, unhappy. So not angry, unhappy. And it's kind of like, well, something so simple and something so effective, right? Well, why can't these be, things be incorporated? Why can't a business have an app? I know there's some places that have got an app now where they can put themselves how they're feeling and things like that. But what, why can't a business and, or, or corporate environment or a school have something so simple that could be effective? Could be. It might not be the answer, but, you know, kids, you've put, you've, with your little one, you've hit their head, you're starting to teach your little one about, if you're feeling this, drawing faces and stuff like that, right? That's the first stages of a child understanding emotions. So if you can get them to understand it, how do you know if something's being taught? Confirmation, right? You teach something and someone inbox him, and then you'll pretty much get him to do it back, right? If you don't, nine times out of ten, get a whack or something. But it's obviously not what we're going to do. But it's all about, it's a teaching process. Aaron, uh, have you got anything? Uh, sorry, Dean. Aaron, have you got anything to chime in with? Yeah, I was just... Um, well, all of it's been quite interesting. Obviously, myself and Dean, we've had a conversation and I'm an avid follower. So I definitely recommend anyone listening now to follow Dean on his um, Instagram because... I think the best thing that you said today, well, one of the best things was we're in a society now, we're influenced by the wrong influence. Like that just resonated with me. And I think what we're trying to do, at least on, on the Black Country blokes and, you know, Dean, what you're doing through your transparency and your social media is talk about the stuff that's important, trying to encourage people to talk. But I think we all have to accept as well that it's a process and it's all right for us for sitting there now and for anyone listening saying, guys, we need to talk, we think we've got the answers, or if you're stressed, ha have a conversation. But for some people, that's always not the case. Um, and, I, and I suppose the only thing I really wanted to say, myself, I'm happy to talk, like four of us having a conversation, myself and Dean have had a conversation. But it's one of those things, it's not an everyday thing as well, even for us. Um, I'm sure you guys would agree, like some days I want to talk and some days I don't want to see any of you guys at all. And, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's if that's a condition, if it needs a label or anything. And that's quite, it's quite scary for me because that's something that's only really happened in the last few years. But I think if we can just at least understand that and openly express that so that when we are influencing people, if they're going through the same things, they then recognise that, well, actually, I'm not an anomaly here. I'm not a problem here or something. Um, yeah. I suppose it's a bit like the a gym analogy. You know, sometimes I don't want to go to the gym, but I know by going to the gym, I'm going to feel so much better. And it's a bit like talking. This is why I keep preaching about talking. I know those days I don't feel like talking, but if you just have a rattle for like five, 10 minutes, you instantly feel a little bit better. You feel uplifted. So that was all I really wanted to touch on really. But it's just, yeah, it's been, it's been a great conversation. Lee, anything you want to bring in? Um, no, I think I'd just like to go back to the school a bit. I think a lot of it's down to as well that, it's a really hard thing to teach, isn't it? Mental health and how to, yeah. how to, it's not a textbook mm. English lesson. You know, it's something that, um, that's, that's quite hard to teach. And I think then it, if you're going to bring it into schools, you also need to bring in the right people to teach it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think, I think with a lot of people I spoke to as well, is it's actually like, 
do we do we do we need to teach mental health or do we need to teach how to look after it um and actually i believe that you know that actually a lot of people can teach that like um or having it some way in a school where it's incorporated but now you you've made like a huge you know it's, it's a really good a really good point um and the, and the only thing the reason why something changes is because like different opinions and different views and I, I think you're right that it is a very difficult thing to to teach um and i've heard it from a lot of people and uh, and then all of a sudden i kind of think it's like have you know are, are we setting ourselves the the wrong type of boundaries um i think i mean i, I use schools as an example it's across the board really um and like like um, Aaron said he's it's kind of like well it's easy for us to talk. Do you know what? Actually, it's not easy for us to talk. It's mm. easier. It's not. No, it's. It, do you know what? It's. It's not easy for us to talk. It's easier. And I mean, ends it, it. He's hit the nail on the head. It's like sometimes you don't want to. And what he did say as well is, it's like influencing. Right. Social media is great, but the problem is, is whoever's giving out the content and whoever's receiving it, because that's the only thing on Instagram. Um, and and other things, not just slate Instagram. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think I think you're really right there. But I think if we had like, because every gym, every school has now got a first aider. But it's quite obvious if my, if I cut my hand and I'm dripping of blood, it's quite obvious my hand's bleeding. But I think we should have every teacher, every coach, and I want to really push this through after all these uh, lockdowns come through, having every boxing coach having a mental health first aid. Because my job as a first aider isn't to sew your head back on. I've got to keep you alive until the ambulance gets there, or I can yeah. do my best to keep you safe. I'm, I, I haven't got to be the one that talks you off the bridge. I haven't got to be the one who gets you the medication. But I think if people could be more aware of it, going, something ain't right, yeah. maybe I should go and talk to him. And I'm saying at primary school level, we're not going into bipolar and suicide and just getting to know yourselves and getting to know those emotions, why yeah. we're feeling that way. And obviously at primary school, especially at my Jasmine's age, it's little by little by little. And then yeah. as they get older, they're going, sir, can I talk to you about something? Or miss, can I have a word? Yeah. No, 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 I agree. And I, I think as well, it's like when these conversations happen, like I've been really lucky to be, to be invited onto some remarkable platforms like yourself. It always sounds like it's easier said than done. Um, and there's obviously a lot that goes behind all that. But I just feel like what you've said there, it's kind of like you said about like there's a process, right? If you break your arm, you go through a process, you go through pain, you get triaged and so on. Um, and yes, schools, schools have to have a first aid area, mandatory first aid area. It's part of the school. But there isn't anything for mental health. Like it doesn't mean that kids have to go there and talk because obviously that's going to be it's going to look quite obvious and they might not go because they're scared. But people are like I, I I've been lucky to work alongside a guy that's you know they're doing incredible things and they're building up courses where they can uh, mind at work where they where they can go and train people. But there isn't enough in the schools. Like it's. You know they're having to go off their back to to go and do these things and charitable organisations and like I said it's it's really easy for us to sit, sit 
stand here, sit here and go, yeah, they need to put money here, they need to put money there. But the, I, th I think some of the answers are right in front of us. What are um, saying is how awkward and difficult it is. Imagine being the first ever person winning and talk sex education. <laughs> and, and, and that's the most oh, right. natural thing in the world. In the world. <laughs> and, and then people going, well, you can't teach them where the bits go because oh, yeah. you know, imagine how hard that was. Can't be no more difficult than what we're doing. Teaching kids to do mental push-ups. So if you are in hard times, no good me turning to a, a bloke who's 30 stone going, you want to get fit, go for a 10-mile run. Going, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. die. So let's get kids used to having mental fitness. Yeah, that's it. I it's kind of like I always I always speak to people and they're kind of like like I, like I said I'm all about changing the way it's, it's my strap line and and that's across the board, um, and I do believe that we're looking at things in the wrong way. Um, but like, if we look at what helps mental health, like I said, we've all got mental health and we're all at a risk of mental illness. Uh, we're all sat here. We're all sat here now. And the, but. You've hit nail on the head, like about having kind of the gym and, and the training and so on. But there's there's a lot of other things that you can do to look after your health. And again, I know it's coming back to the thing. It's like feed the kids better food. <laughs> That's going to help mental health. Yep. Jesus, like you want to bring reduce the numbers of things like suicide rates and and the mental illness and the strain on the NHS. Like you know, it's a little bit uh, you know, it's a little bit how. You know the the, the obesity um, that's going on across the world. It's like it's dealt really wrong. Like you know those those men and women are going through a hard enough time as it is, right? Without being ill educated, the absolute wrong stuff, you know, and so on. But again, I think it comes back to kind of that mental health, like marginal gains, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna completely stop suicide rates, but no, there's, there is actually some areas that you can really work on. Like I said, food, PE. My daughter gets ridiculous, like, amount of, like not, not even an hour a week. The level of stress that kids have to go through through exams, like, you want to, and I know I'm trying to change the world here, but I mean, you want to reduce these numbers and help people stop pushing these kids to the extreme. Right, I don't need to be a politician or I don't need to be any big influencer, motivational speaker to talk about the obvious. Like, I know kids, I was working with a charity and grit, resilience, uh, self harm in, in teenagers, local resilience blew me away. Right, and that the three kids I got to closely mentor, every single one of them said that they are cannot deal with the amount of work they got to do to pass their GCSEs. Right. Then they got emails, then they get WhatsApp, then they got Instagram, they got all these things, right? Now, some of them we're trying to control them and we can't. Like, people are working against social media, start working with it, all right? Because it's here for the rest of our life. Yeah, we don't need far right, we don't need far left, we don't need, you know, we, it's great to have Netflix programs like Social Dilemma coming out and giving us awareness, but we've got to work with it and that's their way. So, how can how can we you know sort of look at it in terms of other places like these these it happens at an early age you go to a psychiatrist and the first thing they do go what happened as a child like in let alone the pandemic outcome right in two to three years time with the paramedics and the doctors that are going to be going through the suicide rates are going to rocket through the roof and the next generation 
is going to rocket through the roof, right? There's, there is an element that can be controlled there. Like you guys, when you grew up, when I grew up, I had one of those phones that you could throw. It wouldn't smash. It was most indestructible, like Nokia 3310, all of these things. And we the had no access. <laughs> oh, it's a shame Nokia went bust, but they were so naive. Um, Apple wiped them out. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, the um, Simon Sinek, Fight Night, Infinite Game, right? We're thinking Fight Night all the time. And uh, in the most, I, I'm not being pessimistic or negative, but you think that we've, people think that we've got a mental health crisis on our hands now? Oh, we've, we've got a bigger one to come. And I think, yeah, I think you're right there, Dean. Sorry, Kev. I think you're right there. I mean, I have um, my daughter's uh, 11 um, in secondary school, and she's not the type of person who she's going to stress about exams that much that she that potentially right. she won't do as well as she should do. And I'll keep telling her it doesn't. It's not the end of the world if those exam results don't come in, and they're not they're not what you think. It's not the end of the world. Don't <laughs> nah. you know? Don't rely fully on those. And it's probably you know it's not. I'm sitting here now. I did terrible, uh, but I'm still sitting here now. You know, it's it's not going to change your life. It's a very small portion of it. So uh, do your best and try your best. But you know, you've got to try and. And it's easy for me to say. Right. Don't don't. No, you're, you're right. You to that um, point. It's like, do you know what? What entrepreneurs, right, are flying through. Right, there is some crazy stuff going on. You don't really need, and I'm not saying like you do. They don't really need GCSEs to become that way. And actually, entrepreneurs are being failed at school at the minute because they're having to learn a lot of stuff like that. That's not to say that people are that way yeah. uh, successful because they haven't studied. Of course they have. But, yeah, you're 100% right. Like, I didn't. Yeah. I was working for GCSEs. <laughs> you're same here. I was, uh, it, I was never going to be someone who was good at sitting down doing GCSEs. But I've always yeah. put 100% into work. And that's, and that's how I've got on in life but it's um yeah school teaches of a certain way you, you you wouldn't you wouldn't judge an elephant for its ability to climb a tree would you and i think sometimes <laughs> I <like that. laughs> with school does that doesn't it it puts everyone yeah. in that one bracket and just climb that tree school not everyone's going to be able to climb the tree schools are the first form where we're taught how to conform mm. instead of having yeah. individual thoughts and being all right, then uh, I'm a fidget all right, then maybe you're a dancer, maybe you're a footballer. And me and you said, Dean, I'm amazed. I, I, I haven't been schooling over 20 years, and, I, and I'm amazed. We're still teaching. I write on the board and you copy me. You've got seers, hearers, and doers. And I'm, instead of just being thick, all right, and clever, maybe I'm clever in a different way. If you teach me to pick up free footballs, I'll learn how to do maths. If you teach me how to listen to lyrics, but we're teaching the same thing. The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And again, I think it's another. No, no, I, I know there's a lot of um, like schools. That, I mean, if you look over in America, like they can't go and do certain football scholarships unless their exams are, are right. I just think their whole process is taught differently. But on the flip side. They recognise, right, that those people, men and women, are 
athletes. They're going to become athletes. And anyone that trains is actually an athlete, but they're going to be, that's going to be their line of work. So they actually invest the time a little bit more into them. Um, you get a, a child that's remarkable at football. The only person really out of a very few is the only person that will pick that up will be a scout, right? If they even come into school, it'll be left for the Sunday club or the Saturday afternoon club or whatever it is. And actually, it's kind of, you see that kid dribbling a ball. I've worked in school. You see that kid dribbling a ball and kick-ups and kick, hitting that ball in the top right-hand net, right? And, and it just gets seen by. Like, that, you know, he, like you said and we've said, like, I was never going to get GCSEs. That's not to say that that kid's not going to get GCSEs, but... Something's being there's some there's a part of him that's being forgotten about, and and not nurtured. And again, I know, I know the theme tonight's been kind of like what we can change on the larger scale, but is it really? Like, is it really that big or that hard or difficult or much of a challenge to change those those small things? I don't believe it is. Instead of trying to change everything, let's make these little steps, and then everything else will fall into place. And that right there is looking after your mental health. And that right there is looking after mental illness if you have it. Marginal gains. Well, Dean, unless there's anything else anyone would like to say, so it's been wonderful talking. I have a feeling we could talk all night. So I'd love you to come back on at a yeah, different date. I appreciate it. Has anyone got anything to say to Dean or advertise um, our Thursday club? No, I think I'm good, Dean. I'll just thank you for coming on. It's It's been a great conversation. Really enjoyed no, thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Aaron, Aaron's oh, dropped off, mate. <laughs> All right. So, on Thursday, um, through from now on, from last Thursday onwards, we're going to be going live, just me and the three other blokes. And we're going to call it our first for a thoughtful Thursday, just where we all get together, a bit more light-hearted talking about life and everything now, if anyone's got any suggestions they'd like to talk about please send them in what we're thinking this first we're going to call it laughing at life's bloopers because back in the day for those who remember not having a phone or a camera phone at least that was some of the best laughs i ever had in the book so there's no one filming it so i was never going to get ridiculed because by the following weekend it was forgotten about and i think we've lost that now because we take ourselves so bloody seriously like a photo is better than a video. It's a video, you see how it actually happened. Photo, you fill in the gaps and you go, oh, do you remember when we did it? He said, oh, do you... and even better than a photo is an urban legend of a great Friday night. So please, please tune in Thursday at 7.30. So Dean, have you got any quotes or sayings that's helped you get through life? Yeah, um, I got told it when it's not your fault. I used to blame myself for mental illness. I used to think it was me. And it's not. It's not your fault. Right, it's as simple as that. I got asked, it's, that's it. It's not your fault. I have to tell it to myself now, all the time. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Right, as simple as that for me. Well, thank you once again, bro, for coming on. No, thanks so for your time. Guys, so, guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tarara, bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. 
please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen.